It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 8th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When Sitkins learned they would be seeing a record-breaking number of cruise passengers this summer, there were a lot of questions about how the town would accommodate the influx of people, from traffic flow to garbage. And swirling in the middle of all of those concerns were public toilets. Sitka had nowhere near enough, so the city had to scramble to find solutions. And that meant acquiring some high-end toilet trailers and offering a unique grant program. KCAW's Catherine Rose has the scoop. Your typical porta potty is small, it's poorly lit, it's smelly, not exactly a prime tourist attraction. But when I found out the city was going to install several temporary bathrooms on Lincoln Street, I had to sniff out the situation myself. So one day this summer, I visited the big white trailer parked in front of the Pioneer home. Well, I don't know what I expected, but I did not expect this. The women's bathroom has a sunroof with natural light filtering in. There's a big mirror next to the door with not one, but two sinks. There are several stalls with doors that go from the ceiling to the floor. The walls are gray with white wainscoting. I think it's plastic wainscoting, but still. The toilets are low flow and surprisingly quiet. Looks like maybe the flusher is on the floor, which I've never seen. And I'm just going to go ahead and flush. Well, that was sort of anticlimactic. This unit is one of three that's been installed on Lincoln Street to accommodate what was originally predicted to be the biggest cruise year in Sitka's history. Amy Ainsley is the city's planning director. Overall, they, they seem to function really well. They seem really sanitary. They're you know kind of keeping the unpleasant parts of, of a t- temporary bathrooms contained. The big white trailers are hard to miss right on the downtown thoroughfare. That's because getting them shipped here took some flying by the seat of your toilet. They came a little bit later in the season than we were hoping for, but, you know, I'll sing the same song that every industry, everyone is sung about supply chain. You know, we're all dealing with those same issues. The units finally arrived in June. Initially, the city looked at installing them on private property where they could be attached to the city's sewer system and wouldn't need to be pumped out. But Ainsley says they needed to install them fast. So placing the units on Lincoln Street without hard plumbing them was the simplest option. But for next year, she says they're looking at relocating some of them. My priority in terms of finding the right places for those to be is, you know, first, you know, making sure the community's kind of on board with with where those end up, um, that they're still in a useful, visible place and an opportunity to connect them. Ainsley says they've gotten a bit of feedback about the bathrooms from Sitkins, and she's hoping for more in the coming weeks. So far, comments have run the gamut from folks suggesting new locations or ways to make the trailers more aesthetically pleasing to requests for public access after cruising hours. That last one presents a complication. All of the staff cleaning the bathrooms are paid with cruise passenger excise tax money. That's Sitka's share of the state head tax on every passenger who arrives in Alaska on a cruise ship. But that money is very restricted. It can only go toward things that directly benefit the passengers. Ainsley says if the city dedicates more resources to the temporary bathrooms, there could be more uses for them in the future. 
if we wanted to expand the use of those bathrooms a little bit and have you know maybe a little bit more crew next summer so that more community activities could utilize them, I think there's definitely some opportunities to use those restrooms more and not just for, for cruise passengers. But the trailers aren't the only bathrooms newly open to the public, at least for the next month or so. There are a lot of tourists in town this summer, and we don't mind people coming in. Joel Hansen directs Southeast Alaska Independent Living. Sale is one of six businesses that participated in the city's bathroom grant program that paid downtown businesses $1,000 if they opened their hearts and their toilets to tourists this summer. Sales building is a little away from downtown, but tourists do pass by often. My thought was that a lot of folks would be accessing our trails in Sitka and kind of spreading out from the downtown corridor a little bit. So having a bathroom that is um, closer to the cross trail and some other places that tourists might be enjoying this summer might be helpful. So Hansen filled out the application, they got the cash, and their business was listed on a map provided to tourists by Visit Sitka. Ainsley says she hopes to hear how the grant worked for local businesses that participated to decide what changes the city may make to the program next year. I don't think it's a it's an idea worth giving up on yet, um, but it didn't get as, as quite as much take up this year. Hansen says they haven't seen a lot of traffic, even during the busiest part of the season, but he's happy to provide both of sales bathrooms as a community service, open to everyone. If you're a local and you are here and you need a bathroom since there's not one right here by Swan Lake. Um, we are happy to have you use our restroom as well. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. Ketchikan's Borough Assembly postponed a discussion about raising the local sales tax cap until after next month's municipal election. The topic will appear again as an item on the agenda at the October 17th meeting. KRBD's Regan Miller reports. The meeting brought discussion about how urgent the need to raise the sales tax cap is in order to bring in more revenue, and whether that discussion should wait until the borough has its policy session in January. That also would be when newly elected members are seated on the assembly. The ordinance would raise Ketchikan's single-unit sales tax cap from $2,000 up to $12,000. It wouldn't apply to residential rent. That's capped at $1,000. The ordinance was introduced by Assemblymember Judith McQuarrie. She said the city has been discussing sales tax topics, and she thinks it's time the borough does the same. The city has made moves for uh, sales tax reform, and uh, and I think it's reasonable that the borough also have a chance to amend and discuss and decide what we would like to do about sales tax reform. The introduction came after the assembly asked staff in July to create a proposal with a goal of leveling Ketchikan's sales tax cap with other southeast towns. Assemblymember Grant Echohawk said he could see why the increase would be necessary and expressed concern with a deficit of the local education fund. He also said he's comfortable with an incremental increase instead of a one-time $10,000 hike. If we, if we do end up postponing it or not or, or voting it down, I think it's still important that we have the discussion and speak to why we're even having this discussion. Uh, and and it, it is a it is a um, an issue that has been that has been building for several years now uh, that our local education fund is is needs some kind of funding. Assemblymember Austin Otos commented that the borough might look at bringing up the cap to just $4,000 instead of $12,000. He said that might soften the increase for local customers and merchants. 
the Assembly's discussion turned to whether the ordinance should be postponed until a later meeting. Jeremy Bynum recommended that option. I sit here and I'm very uncomfortable with us having a hypothetical question. He also argued that the topic is more suited to January's policy session. I feel like we're going a roundabout way of skirting a policy session to talk about what our real objectives and goals are for taxing, what those taxes are going to be used for. Borough Mayor Rodney Dial expressed support for waiting. He wanted the whole assembly to be meeting in person and thought the new members could get their feet wet with the issue. Otos disagreed, calling the idea of waiting a weird fixation. I will support this. I just don't get our weird fixation on waiting for the next body to come forward. I'm perfectly happy doing this in the next public hearing when there's a full body here, but we're the currently elected body. I just don't get why. Ultimately, after a presentation of sales tax receipts, the borough assembly decided to postpone the discussion until a meeting scheduled for October 17th. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. A biennial conference focused on the tribes and clans of Southeast Alaska comes to Wrangell this week. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, organizers say they're bringing a new youth-focused element to the conference this year and using video tech to extend its reach. Nicknamed the Clan Conference, Sharing Our Knowledge aims to highlight Indigenous research, history, language, arts, and culture from Southeast Alaska and British Columbia. The decades-old conference is being held in Wrangell September 7th through 11th. Brooke Leslie is a local representative on the conference's organizing committee and a tour operator in town. It brings together people that are cultural culture bearers, language bearers, elders, people that are just wanting to learn about their culture, as well as scholars and academias. And it brings them all into the same setting to be able to share with one another. And I think that's, that's really unique. Conference organizers say sharing our knowledge is a collaborative, mutually respectful, and a level playing field for academics and culture bearers, as opposed to the under-the-microscope approach to Indigenous studies of the recent past. I think it presents a great opportunity for the Clinkett, Haida, and Simpson people to find out what is being, you know, the research and writing that's being done about them. Jacqueline Estes is the conference's program coordinator and a reporter for Indian Country Today. That's been a frequent complaint of Native American groups is that they never see or hear the results of the research and writing that's done about them. So it does that and and then it gives academicians a chance to understand that they're studying. We're not just in the past. We have a lot to offer today. And contemporary Clinkett, Haida, and Simpson cultures are worth studying, too. Sharing Our Knowledge was first held in 1993 in Haines and Klekwan, and has been held nearly every other year since in communities throughout Southeast. Find a full schedule of events at sharingourknowledge.org. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. (laughs) 